Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Hope you had a good weekend on this Columbus Day in some places the weather's more like Thanksgiving or Christmas. We'll be talking weather with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson on today's program. Uh, big news on Friday. Seemed very good news for agriculture when the announcement came out about a part of a deal anyway, the beginning of a deal w between the U.S. and China with promises of big ag purchases. Some of the enthusiasm has cooled somewhat over the weekend as more questions arise, but we'll get into all that with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation and Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. They'll be weighing in on the uh, proposed China deal later in the program. Glad you're with us. Let's uh, start things off with Spencer Chase from AgriPulse Communications. Spencer, thanks for joining us, and let's start with that China news. Seemed like pretty big news on Friday, and uh, over the weekend, more and more questions have started surfacing, and we're hearing, uh, you know, uh, people wondering, is it as good as it originally sounded, and uh, what's the reaction in China? They don't seem to be talking a lot about it. So what are you hearing on this deal? Well, basically at this point, what we're hearing is that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of this uh, agreement will come down to, you know, it will be great if. You know, there's a lot of ifs in this agreement right now. You know, if China agrees uh, to continue or stand up to those purchases of, uh, you know, the 40 to $50 billion worth of U.S. ag products, that's obviously a great deal for the U.S. farmer and rancher. Uh, if they agree to some of the intellectual property changes that the U.S. is seeking, that's obviously going to be great. You know, if they look and uh, agree to follow through on changes to their biotech approval system and some of the other, uh, some of the other uh, non-tariff barriers that U.S. agriculture faces there, that's going to be great. But keep in mind, you know, a lot of this still needs to be put down to paper. There's some uh, various cultural issues, and not, you know, not the least of which the two countries speak a different language. And so there's a lot of things that are still going to need to be hammered out and finalized. They're hoping to uh, have this deal in a, in a citable format when the presidents of the U.S. and China meet in Chile here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, watching the press event at the White House on Friday, uh, they were, of course, trying to paint a best-case scenario, but if you listen closely, you could hear there were those, uh, you know, those questions still lingering. This needed to be worked out. That needed to be worked out. There's a meeting coming up. Yeah, that they hope to sign the the deal. But uh, there's a lot of work. It would seem still needs to be done to get this thing to cross the finish line. Right, and even as, even as early as this morning, uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin appearing on CNBC this morning. He was saying that uh, if there is no deal in place by December 15th, that uh, that, that tariff uh, in increase will go up. Uh, you know, he does anticipate the deal will be in place by then, but he's, you know, publicly leaving himself some room for that uh, not to be the case. 
it seemed like as I watched that event on Friday at the White House, it was like, yeah, we want to put a positive spin on this. We want to show that something was accomplished. And uh, it, I don't know, it almost was, they made it sound better than it, than it was at this time. Now, it may turn out to be that good, and hopefully it will, but uh, uh, it was a lot of window dressing still at this point, I thought. Right. Well, and you hate, you hate to put this in terms of wins and losses because I mean you don't want to you don't want to cheapen the uh, the effect that this trade war is having on a lot of American producers, a lot of American families. But candidly speaking, President Trump does need a win here. Uh, a lot of folks are really looking to uh, see an end to this tariff uh, to this tariff battle that's been going on for about eighteen months now. Uh, a lot of folks have lost a considerable amount of money for it. There's some realistic questions over whether or not the U.S. will ever be able to regain the market share it once had in China. So a lot of folks are kind of thinking, you know, this has been going on for a while. Where's where's the progress? Where's the, the finality to it that uh, might show it that uh, the patience that these farmers and ranchers are showing right now will be paid off? Yep. So we will see. But that will be the big story to watch uh, going forward, as will uh, when Cong- now that Congress will be getting back all of the Congress back uh, going this week. Are they going to just focus on impeachment or will some other things like USMCA get some attention? Well, we uh, can expect that the uh, working group of House Democrats that's been meeting with the administration will continue to do so. Uh, they went on a uh, a few of them went on a trip to Mexico here during the uh, during this two week recess to meet with some leadership down there. Uh, brought back some reasonably positive reports from their experiences and from their meetings with officials. Uh, the uh, the official the members of Congress that are working on USMCA, you know, to borrow their phrase, have said that they can walk and chew them at the same time. They can pursue impeachment while they also pursue USMCA. And it's also important to note that there hasn't been a single member of House Democratic leadership come out yet and say the USMCA absolutely will not be considered. Uh, they're still, you know, Nancy Pelosi's words is the, the continued path to yes. They're still working toward that, and, and no one has come out yet to say that it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think it is interesting that walk and chew gum at the same time thing it has a little... Uh, I think it ha- carries some weight because they they are in a position to show that they can do something besides just uh, investigate, right? They have to show they can actually get something done. Well, keep in mind, I mean, Congress and this administration are not exactly, uh, you know, are not exactly leak-proof. Uh, if, if this was going sideways, somebody would be talking to the media about it. And the fact that we're not hearing from House Democrats saying, you know what, you know, Robert Lighthizer is just not being honest with us. And the fact that we're not hearing from USTR saying that House Democrats are just being way too difficult, I think that actually bodes well for the for the negotiations. Folks seem to be, you know, working in earnest on this right now and really hope to get this deal addressed. And even though it's mid-October, and for for most of us, we say, well, there's, you know, two and a half months left in the year. There are not two and a half months left of working days for Congress, right? I think the number I saw somebody posted on Twitter this morning was 28 legislative days for the House of Representatives between now and the end of the year. And if, keep in mind, if they're going to look to consider an impeachment vote, they're going to look to consider potentially USMCA before the end of the year. And don't forget, on November 21st, the current government funding bill expires. So that needs to be addressed before Thanksgiving. So still a lot of things left on the congressional agenda before the end of the year. And that's in addition to some of the... Uh, you know, other oversight areas that they might be looking to do, you know, potentially the uh, the situation in Turkey and Syria with the Kurds, you know, there could potentially be some congressional action on that. So, you know, a lot, a lot of balls up in the air as usual in Washington. I guess that short time window is good and bad. Bad, they're running out of time, but good, it, it seems like that's the only thing that gets them to move is when they have a deadline to, that they have to meet or, or need to meet. 
Yeah, December is usually a very, very active month out here in Washington. Uh, usually quite a bit will get done here in the last week. A lot of uh, negotiations will uh, will soften a little bit. But, you know, they, they have shown the ability, with the exception of last year when we had that prolonged government shutdown, they have shown the ability in the past to kind of work through their differences, come to some sort of an agreement when they're staring at a, you know, a, a big deadline looming, in, looming there in the face. I don't think anyone wants to push impeachment into 2020. I don't think anyone wants to push USMCA into 2020. So I do think there will be some semblance of progress on Capitol Hill. Uh, it just remains to be seen how much progress that might be. I've always found the deadline that moves Congress the most is the deadline of when it's time for them to go home, especially around the holidays. And that's uh, that's usually the deadline that uh, they work pretty hard to meet. All right, Spencer, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks. Spencer Chase from AgriPulse Communications in Washington, D.C. Up next, the weather story. What's in the store for us this week across the country? We'll talk with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit FSGoldStandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Well, let's talk trade now with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. We'll start with U.S.-Japan. president signed the deal yesterday. A lot of ag groups uh, represented at that signing. What are we hearing uh, as far as when that will be approved in Japan? Well, we're hearing that it's going to move right along. Uh, their parliament uh, can take it up. Uh, in fact, has started some of the preliminary uh, work on that uh, right now. And we're looking to have a vote, uh, I believe, by the end of this month and then go through their process of implementing. You know, countries have to do that. But it's still looking like <clears throat> now that it would be on track to go January 1st of 2020. And so we could start uh, seeing the benefits of that uh, towards the very beginning of next year. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. 
thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, lots of weather news to go over with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, thanks for joining us. We've got some folks uh, digging out, some uh, thawing out. Uh, what, what's ahead this week? Well, Mike, it is going to be a drier week uh, over just about uh, all of the central part of the country. Uh, we're going to see rainfall mainly over the eastern uh, part of the Midwest, uh, the Ohio Valley, eastern Great Lakes, but they have been drier here recently. Uh, so I don't think that uh, we're going to have any real big problems uh, developing this week to add to everything that happened last week uh, when we had the blizzard and uh, some areas uh, had heavy rainfall and then uh, the season-ending freeze. Uh, so it's not going to be quite as, um, uh, you know, quite as eventful as we saw a week ago. Yeah, for sure. In a lot of places, the growing season came to an abrupt halt, didn't it? It did. Um, yeah. You get into October 11th and 12th, I mean, that can happen. Uh, so the, um, you know, you had much of the north central and part of the western uh, crop areas uh, get hit with uh, a hard freeze. I don't know that there's uh, a whole lot of real takeaway in terms of crop damage. I think that the discussion about that is probably um, kind of stretching it a little bit, considering that September was so warm and helped to bring crops along. Uh, there, there may have been some, some uh, you know, production uh, taken off the top a little bit. I think that the biggest uh, damage to crops uh, certainly came with the snow that we saw when, uh, you know, you put one to two feet of snowfall into a an area like North Dakota where corn and soybeans were late already because of how wet everything was last spring and spring wheat was not completely harvested, you're probably looking at an abject loss of any spring wheat that was still out in the field. And there could be possibly up to about 10% of the production loss in uh, terms of, uh, you know, what we are seeing for corn and soybeans when it's all said and done in North Dakota from the uh, snowfall that uh, occurred. And I think that there is also going to be some quality loss, but uh, that's hard to quantify right now. It's hard to look at uh, what uh, is out there and say, well, we're going we're gonna to have a downgrade of uh, such and such an extent that still is to be determined. 
We have flooding concerns still. Seems like uh, really in some areas have been that way all year. Floods haven't ended. The uh, Red River is still in flood stage. The Missouri River is still in flood stage. There are some tributaries of the Mississippi that are uh, still uh, going to to have that uh, high water uh, situation. And uh, I think the the big uh, issue now is what happens uh, when we get into next spring, because we are starting out with a very full soil moisture profile, and any type of uh, precipitation that occurs this winter is just going to add to that full soil profile. So the likelihood is that uh, there's going to be a, a real threat for uh, river stage flooding or river flooding again when we get into next spring, and that is a real big concern. And along with that, uh, harvest is so slow that there's going to be uh, delays in terms of fall field work, just like we saw this past uh, crop season, and uh, that's going to uh, be another issue for next year as well. Let's talk temperatures. I mean, these wet areas, it's just hard to, to recover and to dry out very quickly this time of year. It is, and uh, temperatures are going to uh, be seasonal for this time of year. Uh, we're going to see a lot of highs in the 60s in the Midwest and then the 50s uh, in the uh, kind of the northwestern Midwest into the northern plains. So uh, drying is going to be slow. It is going to take place, but it is going to be slow. I know that there has been harvesting already that has uh, had to take into account uh, patches, big big uh, spots and fields where it's just simply too wet to try to uh, drive combines in and take care of the harvest. And so we've already seen uh, workarounds being done. We're going to continue that way. And uh, uh, looking ahead, after this coming week, when it's going to be pretty dry, there could be some moderate to locally heavy rain develop, especially in the northern Corn Belt this coming weekend. And when I say locally heavy, I mean rainfall amounts of around an inch because you get that kind of uh, rainfall that is going to uh, cause, I think, some uh, new rounds of disruption on harvest. So there, there's going to be some work done this week, not very much in some areas, maybe a little bit more in others, but still, overall, it's uh, a slow harvest. Uh, we've got that late start that was forced upon us by the flooding and the heavy rain last spring. And uh, we're not uh, obviously going to just completely get out of that through the balance of this uh, season. Some areas uh, obviously in better shape than others. Uh, I know in my area we've been fortunate that combines uh, were able to roll over the weekend. It looks like uh, some more good weather this week. So it's just it's amazing the contrast going on. Well, it is. Uh, the... the um the central and eastern parts of the Midwest have done uh, much better than the western and the northern areas. And uh, this week there, there may be some uh, holdup because of rainfall out in the Ohio Valley, the eastern Great Lakes. That's where the uh, moisture is going to be the heaviest. And then uh, in the uh, Delta, the southeast, they will get some uh, locally heavy rains this week. That might actually impede some cotton harvesting. But considering how dry it's been in that part of the country, I think that they will take the moisture. I, th I think that truly uh, they will be uh, relieved to see some rainfall during the next uh, five to seven days. It's not going to cure their drought, but it's uh, certainly going to make a dent in it, and they will take that. Uh, but 
over the uh, northwestern half of the Corn Belt, it still is going to be a slow process, and it's going to be a uh, you know a harvest season that that offers uh, very very uh, narrow opportunities uh, for planting, very limited uh, chances, and uh, when producers can go, it's going to be a, a very busy time, probably a pretty stressful time, and one that sees a lot of long days and long nights uh, when the uh, opportunities are there. Talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, bring us up to date on how things are in South America for planting. They're not uh, looking all that great uh, for this week in Brazil because the uh, scenario, Mike, is still not uh, widespread as far as bringing rainfall into Brazil. East, central, and northeastern areas are dry and, you know, they might get a quarter to a half an inch of rain this week, but that's about it. Uh, Western and northern Mato Grosso may see one to three inches of rain. Southern Brazil, uh, Rio Grande do Sul, and Paraná will get some heavier rains also. So that uh, western and southern corridor has maybe been a little bit better on getting the rainfall. But I think you overall have to look at this uh, Brazil planting uh, situation as one that is still behind average and is likely to stay that way for at least another week. And the uh, the crop is uh, not getting off to a fast start because of that. And uh, at the end of the season, then, that leads to some questions about how uh, the the subsequent planting of their safrina corn crop is going to um, be affected when we get into the first quarter of the year twenty. Uh, second crop corn is not as large in volume as we saw this year when they had everything come together very well and they had a, a terrific corn crop that we are starting to see uh, steadily uh, make inroads into the world marketplace uh, with a lot of offerings out of Brazil because of that kind of production they had. Yep, that's a story to watch. Meanwhile, and you referenced this earlier, interesting debate going on right now, just how much damage has been done by this uh, about the cold weather here the last few days to our crop? Well, there is. I don't, uh, again, I, I think that any uh, assessment of that is going to take a while to actually sort itself out. And uh, considering that the month of September was as warm as it was, I don't think that there is as much damage as had been feared would happen. Because uh, when we got, you know, into that uh, middle part of September, and there were maybe some prospects for some colder conditions. A lot of uh, the damage uh, was predicated on the idea that September was going to be a near-average month on temperatures, and so there would not be a whole lot of progress on these later planted crops. Well, that's not the way it played out. September into early October were quite mild, and so I don't think that the uh, damage done by the ending uh, hard freezes that we saw this past weekend was as bad as had been feared. There will be some uh, damage, like I say, some taken off in in terms of crop totals, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as uh, we might have seen if all of that would have taken place two weeks earlier. All right, Bryce, thanks a lot. By the way, my preacher yesterday said she heard you on my show and thought you'd do a really great job. So how about that endorsement from the clergy? I Man, I'll take that. That's, you know, that's orders from headquarters. All right. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, thanks a lot. 
Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second in time on the first double play. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so what do we make of the uh, China news? On Friday, it seemed uh, pretty exciting. Uh, now, this seems like we have both sides kind of tapping the brakes somewhat, although the president, uh, President Trump, talking a lot about uh, China already buying and uh, it's already started, these uh, fulfillment of the promises we heard on Friday about the, the big ag purchases. So let's talk about it with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, Dave, uh, what, do you, what do we make of this uh, uh, trade situation right now with China. Friday sounded like a big deal. Now we're hearing reservations, questions. Uh, it's not done yet. Uh, kind of downplaying it a little bit. Uh, what do you make of it? Well, I think it's all of those things. It was a very good announcement. I'd say this was a positive restart to these set of negotiations with China. Uh, the president and the uh, Chinese negotiator had some announcements to make, of course. Uh, the U.S. said we won't go ahead with raising tariffs on that $250 billion of Chinese imports that we already put 25% tariffs on. They won't go up to 30%. Uh, China also said um, that they would buy more ag products. Uh, the numbers of 40 to $50 billion have been put out there. Um, we'll have to see how that all works out. That's all good news for ag. Um, of course, all the questions come once we've heard an announcement then people want to really get down to specifics over what time frame, what are you thinking of buying. You know, it always comes down to when. Now, these talks will continue um, over the next few weeks. There will be more meetings trying to put what they've agreed to so far on paper. And uh, hopefully we can see something, at least this part of an agreement. And uh, uh, hopefully over the next uh, month or so, uh, you know, get finished up. And, of course, they have to move on to the other issues, the you know the intellectual property, the tech transfer, all the big substantive issues that are still waiting to be resolved. So this is part of an ongoing uh, set of talks. But when you put out those big numbers out there, you've really raised expectations now. Well, they certainly have. Um, now it's, uh, you know, trying to make sure those expectations can be fulfilled. And so uh, we're all... Uh, we're watching this as we have been very, very closely. Certainly, the expectation that this will will come to pass. Um, so let's see if they can uh, bring this home, as you might say. But I think it's a uh, it's a good start. Um, better than where we were, of course. Uh, the fact that talks are ongoing is a good indication that we might get, get to the finish. And China, as been said, has uh, been into the market somewhat more. They've been buying some soybeans, looking to buy some pork. Um, We'll see how far that goes, but the numbers certainly are encouraging, at least of what they said they want to do. A lot has been made of how little has been made of this 
in 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 China, not talking a lot about it publicly there. Should should that be raise any caution flags at all for us? Well, I think that's more of their usual pattern uh, until there's something that can be, of course, brought back from their negotiator, discussed at their highest levels, actually be committed to an agreement on paper that's signed off on. Um, usually you don't hear a lot. Um, sometimes you have to look more to the action. So if we see them moving into the market and increasing purchases, you know, maybe they'll do that fairly soon. Maybe they'll wait till this agreement is signed. It's, that's hard to tell, but that's certainly what we'll be watching for. Talking with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So I guess the next big event to watch for on this front will be at that meeting, what, in Chile coming up in a month or so? Yeah, there's a uh, Asia-Pacific meeting in Chile where President Trump and President Xi of, Xi of China are expected to attend. Certainly if this goes the way was lined out at the end of last week, then there could be a signing of an agreement there. Um, you know, again, all depends how these future talks pan out, but we'd certainly be looking forward to have that happen. You know, I think you have to look at this again. This is uh, a part of a bigger ongoing negotiation. This is sort of something that agriculture and we're all focused on so much. But we also want to see the bigger deal happen over time. We want to see tariff removal. You know, now we didn't escalate a tariff that's already there, but there wasn't any really drawing down of tariffs. And we want to see that happen, which probably will only happen as part of a bigger deal, so that we're not subject to constant uh, new retaliation. We can start unwinding this whole uh, tariff and retaliation uh, thing that we've gotten into with China. So that's the, uh, you might say, the promise of the future negotiations. But, again, we have to uh, make sure over the next few weeks they're looking forward to having bringing this announcement from uh, last Friday afternoon home and hopefully that benefits uh, very soon U.S. agriculture. But you've got Mnuchin out there saying, hey, there still could be September 15th. So that reminds us it's not a done deal. No, it's not. And, um, you know, there's always uh, that is part of the negotiating process. You might say the leverage that people use that, the, you know, the U.S. Um, could put increased tariffs on uh, about $160 billion. That's scheduled for the middle of December of uh, another set of Chinese imports. Uh, that's still there. That isn't off the table yet. So, again, these uh, more to talk about the next time they meet. It seems like. The event on Friday in the White House with the big announcement, they were almost, I don't know how to say it, they, there was political gain trying to be made, and they were, it was almost a, they were desperate to put out something positive, uh, but then as you started listening closer and as we dig into it more, probably you know, there just weren't as many details or, or final decisions as it sounded like originally when they were started talking there in the White House on Friday with that big press conference. Yeah. Well, I think the announcement of things is important, that progress has been made. There's been so much focus on whether any progress would be made. You know, earlier last week there was a lot of discussion, you know, how soon would the Chinese delegation leave after they arrived? And I think there was a lot of push to show that these talks are, you know, are serious and are going ahead by the fact they came up with some level of agreement, not finished. We know that now it's not totally finished, more work to do, but it's a signpost that they made some progress, and I think there was a desire to show everybody that progress could be made. 
Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's better than uh, them storming out of town and nothing getting done. That's for yeah. sure. It's it's yeah. just a matter of following up. Now, what do you make of these purchases they are making now? Uh, the significance of that is it part of the deal or just a, a need on their part or or how do you uh, look at it? Well, people were calling it, you know, goodwill heading into it. The fact they'd announced soybean purchases, certainly they have a need. We know that. They've compared what they used to buy from us. They've bought so much that they have a need to buy from us, whether it's soybeans or pork or a lot of other products. And, um, you know, we hope that we can get past some of these uh, barriers and they go back to buying uh, as much or more, essentially, from what we're hearing, what they used to do. So they have a need. Um Prices are good for them to buy. I think they'd like to be, their buyers would like to be back in the market and buying U.S. products. And so I think that's uh, that's certainly a positive gesture. Um, and we hope it turns into more than a gesture and is something that really, uh, as time goes by. jumped out at me in that announcement on Friday is when they started talking about purchases more than they were before all this started because i think a lot of us been concerned that we'll never get back to that level and all of a sudden they started talking about exceeding those uh, levels of prior to uh, this trade war uh that's that's really setting the bar pretty high well it is and again if you're a uh, those of us you know we have to look at this closely everybody does specifics aren't there we're not sure over what time frame but a, a good goal to reach for um, that is more than they've uh, bought from us uh, in the past. But remember, China imports over $120 billion a year in agricultural and food products. We, at our best, were exporting to them last, you know, a couple of years ago in the mid-20s, 24, $25 billion. So we knew we always had room to grow. There were other barriers to some of our products. Uh, we can work on those. I know Ambassador Lighthizer in the uh, announcement, uh, they had the only making some progress on biotechnology approvals, some of the sanitary, phytosanitary rules. So we'll also be hopefully get addressed uh, over the next few weeks uh, when this all gets written up. I thought it was interesting, you know, there was so much talk in that announcement Friday about agriculture. I would have thought maybe Secretary Purdue would have been at that event, but he was not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I, I I don't know where uh, he may have been traveling or what the issue was with that, but certainly uh, certainly reflects, though, all the hard work of the folks from uh, USDA, including Secretary Purdue, to make sure that ag is a uh, right at the center of all of this. And I know the president takes it very seriously also. So uh, we're, uh, we can be hopeful uh, that this all, uh, all gets finalized and moves forward. Yeah, seems like a step in the right direction. We don't know yet how big a step, but uh, it's better than taking a step back, that's for sure. Dave, thanks a lot for your uh, your assessment of where we're at. We'll keep a close watch on it. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Dave Salmonson, he is the uh, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Uh, I mean, President Trump kept saying things like, uh, farmers going to need to buy more land to produce enough to, to sell to China. Well, uh, you know. That's why I would have liked to have seen Secretary Purdue or somebody there saying, wait a minute, we have plenty now. We have surpluses. We we can grow enough here. We, we need to sell what we've got. Uh, but uh, 
So those are big numbers they threw out there, and we hope that uh, they can can be reached. We're going to get some thoughts on that from the pork industry side next with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. What is his take on uh, what's happened now with China and uh, the potential for big pork sales, hopefully, into that market? We'll talk with Nick Giordano next. Stay with us here on AOA. Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92 and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres? That's smart. With Credenz Soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credenz variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's get more thoughts on the uh, China situation. Uh, Nick Giordano, Vice President and Counsel for Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, joins us now. Nick, a lot of excitement on Friday, um, some kind of tapping the brakes a little bit uh, here at the beginning of the week. What are your thoughts on where we stand right now in in the trade situation with China? Well, broadly in the trade situation, Mike, we are on a roll, and that is pork producers, because we were down low and arguably hit harder by trade retaliation than any other sector of the economy. Um, That $12 a head hit from Mexico alone was huge. So the uh, earlier this year, the Mexican metal retaliation came off when there was a resolution to the metal dispute in North America. We just got the Japan deal. We've been losing sales there. Japan's our biggest value market. We were very concerned because the competition from the European Union with their deal with Japan and then the CPTPP countries and their deal with Japan. Now we're back in the game. Um, That deal will be implemented uh, beginning of next year. And we got pork moving to China now. And and pork is really different than any other product in U.S.-China trade. And the reason is simple. African swine fever. You take a product like pork, which is you know, a mainstay in the Chinese diet, um, a, a huge part of the consumer price index in China, and you take upwards to 50% of production out of the biggest pork producer and biggest pork consumer in the world, that's landscape changing. Creates unbelievable opportunity for us. So we've seen exports tick up, and now our, our position has been we got to get these punitive tariffs dropped and we want and the chinese have talked about exempting products and specifically about exempting pork and that's what we've been talking to the trump administration about we'll keep talking to him about it because the lower those tariffs are the more u.s pork we're going to be sending over to china but we are very happy about the announcement we're going to sell pork there the question is how much We've got to get out from under these punitive tariffs. Sounds like a lot of potential, and it sounds like we're we're just so close to getting this thing maybe finally done or over the finish line. Uh, but there's still still work to be done, isn't there? Yeah, there there is, and I you know that's that's normal. I know that everybody look our producers and market analysts and the media. Everybody wants certainty here, and uh, but it it's. We don't have all the details, but look, I'll tell you, and, and you know, I, it, folks know this. They are really short of pork. They need pork. There's a protein hole in China that's, that's huge, and um, they're going to have to import more pork, more protein. The question, and we've known this for a while, to what extent is the U.S. going to benefit? We are going to benefit. Um, and it, it, the lower those duties go, and again, we're MPPCs arguing for a complete exemption, um, a permanent one. So the lower they go, the more we're going to ship. Uh, are we actually shipping now more pork to China, or are these just been announcements of purchases? We're we're shipping. 
Um, and again, I, I think when you look at their need and the approaching hole that they have, um, it's pretty clear they're going to be importing a lot of protein. They're not just going to one-for-one make it up on pork, but they got to manage food price inflation. I mean, that that's critically important there. Um, pork is a very big component of the CPI in China. So um, they're going to import. We, uh, you know, our whole thing has been we want to be the, the main beneficiary. And under normal economics, we would be because the U.S. is typically, well, we've been the past 10, 15 years on average, the biggest pork exporter in the world the U.S. has been. Um, we tend to be the low-cost producer in the world. We're, in terms of safety and quality, second to none. So, yeah, we should be a huge beneficiary. And that's why our MPPC's position is a permanent exemption from the tariffs. The lower the tariffs, the more we ship. You've made the comment some time ago that, uh, basically paraphrasing here, uh, you didn't want the pork industry to just get the crumbs from uh, the trade table. You wanted to be up at uh, up at the table and getting a full portion. Uh, do you think this gets us closer? Yes, I do. I do. Well, that's good news indeed. As you said, coming off the Japan deal and this, if this gets through, and then USMCA, if you could hit on all three. We, we speculated about that at one point. What if you could get all three, what that would mean for the pork industry? Well, we're on the way. I mean, we got rid of the the, you know, the metal retaliation in Mexico was taking $12 off the price of every hog sold in the U.S. That's gone. MPPC was in the middle of that. That's a big deal. We were all over the Japan thing, working hard, the U.S., the Japanese. Um, we were already losing sales in Japan. It's our biggest value market. Now we've got a deal going into effect um, early next year in Japan. That's another um, huge notch in the belt. In China, you know, it's uh, very unfortunate for them. But again, African swine fever just makes pork a very different product than all the other U.S. China products because they're the biggest producer and consumer in the world. They have upwards of as much as 50% of their production blown out. They gotta manage food price inflation. They're short of protein. We're gonna benefit. The question is, again, how much, right? And that's gonna be dependent on whether or not we can get a permanent exemption from the punitive tariffs. That's the key, but things are certainly looking better. Nick, good to talk with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Take care. Nick Giordano, Vice President and Counsel for Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Tomorrow we'll talk with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Hope you'll join us on AOA. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credenced soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credenced soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.